0: Welcome to another episode of Block Street's Around the Block podcast. I'm your host, Elaine Ramirez, and I'm a journalist covering startups, cryptocurrency, and blockchain for Bloomberg and Forbes. Around the Block is a series of conversations with thought leaders from around the space. On this episode, I speak with Matthew Rosak, co-founder of Block, a company that builds solutions, dApps, and protocols for retailers and institutions. This was our interview from the recent Voice of Blockchain conference in Chicago, Illinois. We talk about how the concept of tokenized networks attracted him to the industry, how Chicago is building a local blockchain scene, and the backstory of how he gave Kim Kardashian her first Bitcoin. It's a great episode, but before we get into it, if you haven't already, head over to the Blockstreet Twitter account and let us know who you think we should have on next. That's at Block Street HQ. You can also find it in the show notes. And for one final note, if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It'll really help the show. Here's my conversation with Matthew Rosak. Matthew, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thanks uh, for having me. This is great. <laughs>
0: So before we kick off, could you tell me a bit about your journey into blockchain and how you fell into this industry?
1: So I've been in, in tech and, and venture my entire career, co-founded five enterprise software companies to companies public, uh, invested in lots of companies. And so in 2011, I learned about Bitcoin and it was... Um, referred to me by a friend of mine when I was in Singapore. And uh, I thought at, at first it was um, too good to be true. You know, silly magic, Internet money. All the attributes were like this dreamscape of how money can be and how you could mine it and this this golden goose of mining rewards. And uh, I kind of like discounted it on the, on the first go around. And it took me about a year to get my mind around it. and. I did then what I still tell people to do today is, you know, turn off your phone, lock your door and study this technology for a week. It's the best advice I could give you. And uh, that's what I did. And so by 2013, I was uh, into Bitcoin and started investing in a lot of the bridges, roads and tunnels of this space. So, So think payment processors, exchanges, miners the software layers and uh, that helped me build uh, a bit of a heat map of the space on what was working what wasn't working and uh, where the white spaces were starting to develop and most importantly out of that was I got to meet some of the best technologists and entrepreneurs in the space which um, uh, and that network as really been a, uh, a great resource for me in building and investing and, and innovating in the space, leading up to um, co-founding Block, which is a, a software company in the blockchain space.
0: So back then, what were the white spaces that you were seeing?
1: Uh, Well back five six years ago. It was a bit of the wild wild west, you know you you had a a variety of different wallets and exchanges and security was uh, Wasn't a first principle in a lot of these things because stuff wasn't worth much and it was very kind of experimental and so um, you know a lot of the dynamics of how do you manage your your keys, how do you go to a wallet or an exchange that you trust and, and you could verify and, and kind of have a better uh, relationship with in terms of how your coins are getting stored. And so that and then, and then seeing this movie play out with uh, everything from Ethereum starting off to every Ethereum killer coming out with whether it's Quantum or uh, Tezos or EOS or, or any of the other uh, players in that space and seeing how. This attracts some of the most incredible technologists, some of the best thinkers on a, on a kind of deep math basis that come in and solve some of these issues on scaling, issues on security. And through that, you kind of realize um, on day one, I, I think everybody like five, six years ago was a Bitcoin maximalist. And then you kind of realize that there is this font of innovation. There is this evolution in the space that takes place. and. Uh, You kind of uh, embrace that. So I think uh, the white spaces are in making sure that you follow the tech, follow the the technologists, the entrepreneurs in this space and being uh, more, I would say, uh, kind of flexible and thoughtful about how that curve is is getting built is uh, is a good thing.
0: Mm -hmm. So what exactly inspired you about blockchain? What motivated you? What What was so special about this technology when
1: you came across it? What really inspired me is more of the crypto, the Bitcoin, the tokenized network side. The, the blockchain side, you know, I've, I've been on record many times. It's like uh, it's great for companies and workflows and processes to be blockchainified. And if you're look, applying blockchain tech to your internal workflows and you want to save some time, some money, trading and settlement, supply chain visibility, it's awesome. Lots of cost savings are going to come out the other end of that. Uh, I just don't think from a, uh, an innovation standpoint, that's where this tech is really going to be the, the real point. The real point to this, I think, is these tokenized networks, these these uh, digital cooperatives where you contribute something to this potential cooperative. And then um, the measure, the unit of value is through a token. So that uh, cooperative, whether it's um, decentralized storage or compute or any kind of ecosystem that you're contributing goods or services or energy towards and other people find a uh, utility in that Marketplace gets born and that that token becomes this barometer on the health and the value of that, that network. So I think tokenized networks is kind of where it's at. I think a lot of the stuff we're seeing from enterprise blockchain adoption to STOs, security token offerings, those step stones are kind of the training wheels to get people to understand and adopt more of these tokenized cooperatives.
0: So you've worked a lot in Asia. You were actually in a startup in Singapore when you first came across the idea of Bitcoin and blockchain. And then you've also been there several times since then. Uh, Why do you think that so many Asian countries rose to the forefront of this uh, particular wave?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's like one of uh, kind of looking back since the formation of block and the energy that we got coming out of Asia was a bit of a surprise for me. Obviously, historically, most of the mining uh, takes place in China and Asia. A lot of the trading several years ago was was Chinese centric, Asia centric. And after, you know, the the year ago Chinese crypto ban, a uh, lot of that trading uh, poured into Tokyo and Seoul and Singapore and Hong Kong. So, so the dynamics of Asia and, and a lot of blocks investors, partners, uh, customers are Asian. Uh, the decision making is a lot more thoughtful in this new tech frontier of crypto and blockchain as opposed to you know, San Fran, and while San Fran is Silicon Valley and a lot of innovation, in many ways it's like uh, it's like a flyover town in this in this new mm-hmm. economy. And then to really unpack your question of like, why do they get it? What, what's uh, why are they so much more drawn to? It? And I think it's twofold. One is it, the speculative dynamics were definitely a thing for this uh, ecosystem, and they're they're speculating on it a lot. And speculation is a good thing because it funds innovation and provides capital to these new ecosystems like like crypto blockchain. Uh, and then, too, I think just generally, historically, they had very little confidence in their governments, in their banks, in their underlying financial institutions and saw this as a clear line of sight on how to manage their own uh, value and store value and things like that. So I think from that premise came a lot of adoption, a lot of uh, that get it factor.
0: Mm-hmm. And now we're in Chicago, a totally different vibe from Asia. What would you say are the defining characteristics that set Chicago
1: apart. Yeah, I mean Ch- Chicago is just a, a great town for business. I mean, you look at a lot of the trading markets with the CBOE, the CME, etc. Historically, uh, from a transportation hub standpoint, with Lake Michigan, the railroads, a big tech scene. Uh, Google's uh, second-largest office is here in Chicago, and so you have a lot of great dynamism uh, in Chicago. At the same time, Chicago is very pragmatic. You know, very cash flow-driven. Very, you know, from a venture investment standpoint has always been more on the pragmatic end uh, of the equation. And so uh, a few years ago, launched the Chicago Bitcoin Center, plus uh, reintroduced the Chicago Blockchain Center uh, t- uh, to basically put the heart defibrillators on this town to say, hey, this is what uh, this technology is and how to be a resource for people to, to better understand what's, uh, what's happening here. And uh, some of the partners of the Chicago Blockchain Center are uh, CME, DRW Cumberland, uh, Light Bank, which is the Group on Guys' venture fund. And so we've got a lot of great support locally. And um, you know there's folks like L- Rumi Morales, who was uh, at the CME, Don Wilson with uh, DRW and Cumberland, that are you know really becoming thought leaders uh, in this space and getting the education and and the interest level up in town, which is great.
0: Mm-hmm. So if blockchain was to be adopted in Chicago, what do you think are the first
1: businesses that will take? Well, I mean, this is this is a uh, blockchain as a way to conduct business. It's it's going to be a new operating system for business and government and society. And I think some of the early ones and we're seeing that as uh, financial services, you know, trading, settlement, um, what's cool is that you know chicago mercantile exchange and the chicago board of uh, trade Uh, so um, chicago financial institutions started innovating with futures contracts on bitcoin which was i thought a pretty cool thing uh, at the time Uh, i would have thought it would have been a year or two by the time they would do that so they uh, put a stake in the ground raced towards it executed on it and uh, again uh, started to catalyze that end of the uh, of uh, the equation. So it's it's great for Chicago, great for, for those institutions.
0: Do you think that set the pace? Uh, do you think that uh, there's been more development and excitement around blockchain since then?
1: Um, I think for the crypto side, I think, you know, people want a way to Bitcoin hedge other cryptocurrencies, So I think that was a great start uh, and certainly was a milestone, but it also helps as you develop, you know, exchanges and ETFs and, and more in the institutional side of crypto. I think it's just a really important fixture to have uh, as this uh, industry continues to mature.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Kim Kardashian. You reportedly gave her a, a Bitcoin during a recent charity poker tournament. Is that right? I did. And you've also given Bill Clinton and Richard Branson their first bitcoins. Yeah. What's your motive there?
1: Uh, so so I've been fortunate to meet some some really cool people like uh, Richard Branson's like a role model for 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 me and, and many people and you know, and, and folks like Bill Clinton and, and even Kim Kardashian uh, the, these these folks have, you know, kind of inherent social megaphones that if uh, You cannot kind of give them uh, Bitcoin and, and you know, it was it wasn't that much money But it was uh, the way I gave it to them three four years ago was in physical Bitcoin form so there's this uh, artist, Max Mellenbrook, who developed this thing called the Kielara coin, which is uh, this beautiful piece of artwork, it looks like the inner workings of a watch. And you could put a Bitcoin on there and you've got a public key and a private key once you undo it. But it's very tactile. And and uh, in a conversation when you give somebody Bitcoin, it's like it's it's virtual. It's like, you know, this this digital currency and it's not really relatable. But if you hand it to them, they start fidgeting with it, They start looking at it and something clicks in their brain like when they kind of start having uh, crypto. And I I always uh, thought that was a good element uh, to drive a conversation. And uh, so, (laughs) so anytime I meet somebody interesting, including Kim Kardashian, who's got 115 million followers. I asked her, we're playing poker in this, this charity tournament, and uh, somebody actually at the table brought up Bitcoin, and then we're, it kind of became a topic, and I'm like, Kim, do you have any, any Bitcoin? And she's like, no, but I've been wanting to get into it. And I'm like, I'd, lo- I'd love to give you your first Bitcoin. Uh, I've given several other people their, their first Bitcoin. It'd be, you know, great for you to, to learn and engage on this. And
0: right, so how did she take it?
1: Uh, she loved it. She was great. She took a picture and uh, she put it on her Instagram or uh, her Instagram story. So she was uh, uh, engaged. And then I saw her later. I'm like, so because somebody else wanted to see it. And she's like, oh, I don't I don't have it. I give it to my security guard. So oh, so uh. she she secured it right away. It was kind of funny. Uh, uh, so
0: she's holding it, hodling it. Yeah, or I, uh, she uh, I, ho- it I hope so. I
1: hope so. Yeah.
0: So when you're not. Playing poker with celebrities and giving them Bitcoin, you're actually doing a bit of philanthropic work. Um, you work with uh, BitGive, which is a nonprofit foundation. Can you tell us a bit about your ideas about how blockchain or cryptocurrency can help with social good?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, it's uh, it's one of the uh, coolest parts of this space because a lot of people have now resources to do good with this technology. Not only just to give, but actually use this technology as, as a as a force for good. And at BitGive, we developed the software called GiveTrack, where you um, provide uh, crypto, and you could track and trace how it's used. You know, it's you're buying nails and a hammer and lumber, and, and the schoolhouse comes out at the, at the other end. The the dynamic there is, you know, we all read these charities where you know, ninety seven or eighty nine or ninety one percent goes to direct cause, but you really don't know. You know, you just kinda like, you know, I don't really know what happens there. But if you could track and trace that whole food chain of of money flow responsibly, then you wind up believing in that more and then you wind up giving more. So I think it really unlocks more money if you do it right in that way.
0: So now you are involved with a company called Block. What is the problem that you are trying to solve?
1: Uh, Well, in Block, we go to market in two sides of our proverbial coin. We have uh, Block Enterprise and Block Labs. Block Enterprise, we sell software to big companies. So a lot of financial services businesses and then also to big crypto companies. So a lot of these crypto networks uh, and the crypto 50 want to connect with the Fortune 50 and vice versa. The Fortune 50 is still relatively slow in trying to get their crypto game on but it's just a matter of time. There's a lot of regulatory complexity there uh, and adoption complexity, but that's just a matter of time. So both sides of that fence want to connect with each other, but the the middle of what we sell, thats that software uh, between wallets and nodes and uh, data analytics uh, kind of works in both directions. So that's Block Enterprise, we're a software uh, division. The other side is Block Labs, which is, where we build new decentralized networks and applications. So that's uh, where we just recently launched a new cryptocurrency called Metronome that uh, is autonomous, uh, it's cross-chain, has a lot of attributes that are kind of next-gen for a crypto. Uh, so we're really excited about that. And we have uh, a handful of other projects that we'll be launching in the next uh, year or two. So we're, we're building out a lot of the, the things that we're excited about. And then we also partner with certain uh, projects and, and uh, platforms to uh, help them Get up the staircase as well. So we kind of go to market from a, a strategic, a technical, and an economic uh, uh, way within Block Labs.
0: And going forward, what is it that drives you about blockchain? What is your mission in this space?
1: Uh, awesome question. Uh, being in tech, being in venture, you see a lot of cool things. Um, but being in crypto and, and early days of Bitcoin, this is the. This is like a drop everything you're doing kind of a moment for me, at least it was. I, I literally stopped doing everything else and invested all my time, energy, and money into uh, being a part of this ecosystem and being a part of making that dent. This will make a massive dent in that proverbial you know, Steve Jobs universe, and uh, you know we want to um, you know, be a part of that journey.
0: Okay, that's it. A big thanks to Matthew for taking the time to chat, and an even bigger thanks to all of you tuning in to this episode of Around the Block. As I said at the top of the show, if you enjoyed this podcast, please head over to the Block Street Twitter account. That's at BlockStreetHQ for a ton of great content. And if you want to find me personally on Twitter, I'm at Elaine Gicha. Again, thanks for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode. This is Block Street's Around the Block, hosted by me, Elaine Ramirez. It was produced by Kenny Ferrera with research by Johann Yun executive produced by Brian Lee and Ian Cho. This episode was recorded at the Voice of Blockchain Conference in Chicago, Illinois. If you'd like to hear more, you can find the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you liked the show.